seven strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill him every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill him? If I did, there would well, be hundreds. No, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started laughing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. This is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hi, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Pretty good. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long while. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? Good. We've been busy. That's putting it mildly. Yeah. I feel like I've reached like almost every life goal in like two months. Except for kids. Every one of my life goals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. Kids be... are precious. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a bad one. <laughs> So, you know how I got a new puppy? Yeah. His name is Walter. Nice. And speaking of kids, he's really made me positive we don't want kids. <laughs> Kobe had him for like, so I have a, I take him to work with me. Yeah. He's with me all the time. There was one day when I couldn't, so Kobe had to watch him. And Kobe had him for like less than an hour and was like, I'm going to drop him at my parents. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is why we can't have kids. It's a pretty good sign. I know, but no, he's a lot. He's adorable, though. He's very cute, but it's the first time either of us had had, we've had a puppy. We've always had kind of really? older. What about Duke? I was so young, I don't remember. I right. think we got him when he was like a couple months old. That makes more sense. Yeah, and plus, yeah, you were you were very young at that yeah. time. Now it's so. just all you and Kobe having to wake up several oh. times a night. Oh, yeah, he pees like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it has been... A lot. And then... With the move? Yeah, and we're moving. We bought a fixer-upper. That's a lot of fixing. <laughs> like, a lot of fixing. Um, so we've been doing that, and that's why <laughs> my life has been so busy. It'll be worth it, though. Oh, for sure. I mean, that. yeah, that's a good buy you did. It has so much potential. Oh, yeah. It's in a really cool neighborhood. All of our neighbors are amazing. They're super awesome. Yeah, I I've was there last time or about a couple weeks ago now. Yeah. And your one of your neighbors was playing like he had like a band in his garage. Yeah, he <laughs> that does. That was pretty cool. He practices every Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't doesn't get annoying. No, they're really good. <laughs> and if we close our windows, you can't hear it. Nice. But I like it a lot. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. I'll post a picture of Walter because <laughs> why not? That would get a reaction for sure. Yeah, he's great. What about you? Especially next to Anarchy. Oh, oh, yeah. So that was an interesting transition. Anarchy went from pretending he didn't exist and refusing to acknowledge him to like just being a total asshole to him. He'll just knock him over, steal his toys. (laughs) (laughs) He's so mean, but they'll be best friends. Uh... Uh, yeah yeah yeah, they'll be best friends it'll be great sure yeah well what about you really on my end it's just been a lot of work have the corporate job the business and planning my own move to another country where i will be remote for a little while yes i don't know if i've talked about it on the podcast before but prior to covid i spent about three years working remotely on my business and living in about five countries and visiting about 11 total Mm -hmm. and it was awesome there are no downsides to it unless you love carrying a lot of luggage, I guess. 
and oh I, I guess yeah if, if you're someone who likes stability and like roots and and yeah then you know i don't recommend it but it's it's pretty awesome yeah so you're gonna start doing that again a little bit yeah to some extent the corporate job is a little they're, they're a little more flexible than i think a lot of corporate jobs but they certainly prefer people at the office mm-hmm. and a, a part of me is curious to try that because mm-hmm. i've never had a corporate office job they even have cubicles oh so we'll see wow uh, i'm sure it'll be great just in case anyone is listening from that office yeah that'll be exciting but right now you're still remote working completely remote and working long days trying to keep the corporate and and my own business afloat because yeah <laughs> I, i've ended up getting more clients which was not supposed to happen but that's always when it happens yeah exactly so yeah. uh, i just went with it nice so yeah you're gonna be moving for like a month-ish i think a month to two months would be nice also just to you know we've all been cooped up in our homes or in our areas yeah not able to go anywhere right and right now travels a little more open Mm -hmm. so there are still several countries even americans with who are vaccinated can get into Mm -hmm. but for the most part you can go just about anywhere now and yeah i mean i would love to go back to thailand for a bit that would be awesome scotland this time of year is is absolutely amazing so there's a lot of cool places to go to yeah yeah so oh which brings us to this is our season finale yes because <laughs> <laughs> gabe's going off and doing stuff and then i'm well i have to move in to the new place before the end of july otherwise i have to pay another month of rent which i can't do <laughs> so we're both super busy so we're gonna take a little break yeah i don't think it'll be longer than a couple of months no at most yeah yeah since yeah either way i'll I'll be coming back for sure yeah at the end of the summer if not even a little earlier Mm -hmm. so uh, we'll pick it back up and this way i don't have to take this microphone with me because it is not very although i guess i could just take the actual physical mic yeah that would be yeah tbd but yeah expect to hear from us in a month or so (laughs) (laughs) we'll give you an actual date when we know it yeah (laughs) because we don't know it right now exactly but but that's that for our season finale, do you have anyone special, Danny? I do. Very special. Okay. Are you ready? Danny, I was born ready, probably. For sure. <laughs> okay. Here we go. So I'm going to start out with a woman named Betsy. Betsy Ferrara. And she's super cool. She works part time as a DJ doing awesome stuff and then at age 40 she finds out that she has breast cancer she gets chemo and she goes into remission and she plans this whole like cruise around celebrating you know being in remission she invites her husband and her family a few friends it's like a whole thing but before the cruise can even happen she finds out that her cancer has returned. It's stage four, four, it's terminal. The doctor gives her like maybe three, four years. So she decides, hey, I'm still gonna go on this cruise. We're gonna go do everything I've wanted to do. There's no reason not to. So they go on the cruise and after getting back from it, an old friend comes back into the picture and her name is Pam Hupp. 
So they originally met when they had worked in the same insurance agency and they're co-workers and they're like kind of, you know, like co-worker friends kind of thing. But they eventually had left that job and they lost touch like you do. However, when Betsy was re-diagnosed with cancer, Pam was like going to be, you know, that friend that comes back into the picture, make sure you're okay, like does what she can. The you know, I feel like there's always that person who just like comes sees something on Facebook and is like, I'm going to message you, make sure you're okay, even though we haven't talked in years. Those friends tend to then offer you a chance to be a part of their business and become a boss baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have this great skincare routine that would get rid of that cancer. (laughs) Okay. Well, who's Pam? Pam was born on October 10th, 1958. She's a little... She's a little bit more than 10 years older than Betsy. No, sorry, younger. Betsy's older. She's married to a guy named Mark Hupp. She has kids. While she had been working in insurance where she met Betsy, she had been fired for forging signatures. And in 2010, which is when this all starts to take place, Pam had stopped working and was claiming disability. So that's why she has all this free time. She's getting into people's business, that kind of thing. So Pam starts talking to, or taking Betsy to every single chemo treatment. And Pam kind of forces herself into Betsy's life during like a really fragile time in Betsy's life. And in on December 27th, 2011, so it's been almost a year, Pam shows up to pick up Betsy from Betsy's mom's house. So, okay. Betsy had gone to visit her mom and she had gone to chemo earlier that day and a friend took her, not Pam. And then the friend dropped her off at her mom's house. So Betsy was at her mom's house and Pam like weirdly insists on driving her from her mom's house back to her house, even though Betsy was like, my husband is planning on taking me, it's fine. Pam's like, no, no, I got this. Your husband can go and do his thing or whatever. And Betsy's like, okay, whatever, like, that's fine. Let me just call my husband and tell him. So she does, and then she goes with Pam, and Pam drops her off at home. Meanwhile, Betsy's husband arrives home that night. So that all happens around 7, 7.20. And then two hours later, Betsy's husband arrives home. It's like 9.40 p.m. And he finds Betsy's body on the floor covered in blood. So he immediately notices that she has two wrists that have been slit, they have cuts on them, and a knife is sticking out of her neck. So he panics, he calls 911, and he says that his wife has tried to kill herself and she's on the floor and she's dying. The 911 call, I listened to it, it's very convincing, but a lot of people disagree. They're like, They're like, clearly it sounds like he's trying too hard to sound like he's freaking out, that kind of thing. But I don't know. I don't think so. 
It sounds like he's really freaking out. So, the police come. Turns out that Betsy was stabbed 55 times, which obviously is like, you're not trying to kill yourself if you're stabbed 55 times. And who do the police, like, immediately suspect? Always the spouse. Always the spouse. So his name is Russ, and they're like, Russ, dude, you said she killed herself, and she was stabbed 55 times, like, and she had a knife out of her neck, like, come on. Yeah. So they take him in for questioning, and he's like, no, I was at home working until 5 p.m., and then I left for my weekly game night with four of his friends. So he hung out with his friends, and he smoked a little pot, and then he left around 9 p.m., and then on his way home, he makes a pit stop at a convenience store for some dog food, and then he goes to another convenience store for cigarettes, and then he stops at Arby's, because he just smoked pot and he was hungry, and then (laughs) he goes home, and he arrives home around 9.40, and immediately calls 911, which is what's the word collaborated is that right corroborated corroborated with the 911 timestamp of him calling it okay also any of those locations would have had cameras and they all have cameras and he has a receipt from arby's and they're able to like ping his phone location as well so it looks solid alibi right solid is it too solid because that's what the police think I mean, they are master criminal finders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, I don't know, guys. This is weird. Like, what kind of person stops at two convenience stores for different items? <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, he had a reason for stopping at different ones. It was like one of them didn't carry the like right kind of dog food or something. Like, who cares? Like, I do weird stuff like that all the time. Yeah. I mean, even if that hadn't been the case, he could have stopped by a convenience convenience store, been on the way home, realized he should have picked something else up, mm-hmm. and stopped at another one. Yeah, this, yeah. This isn't like rocket science. Well, the police are like, it's weird. <laughs> and so while searching the house, police find slippers in the closet with Betsy's blood on them, and they are Russ's slippers, and they're like, wow, why do your slippers have blood on them? And he's like, I don't know. And just keep in mind, there was no bloody footprints around the crime scene. The rest of Russ's clothes had no blood. There was just blood on these slippers, which is weird. Like, why would there be blood on slippers? Yeah, in a closed closet? In a closed closet. How much blood was it? It was like a smear. Huh. That is a bit weird. It is weird, yeah. So... To go over the timeline, Pam dropped off Betsy at her house and called her husband. Um, So Pam called her husband, leaving Betsy's. So she says, I dropped, Pam says, I dropped Betsy off around 7-ish. And then I called my husband at like, it was like 7.05. And I never went inside. I just dropped Betsy off and she went inside. Later, she's like, wait just kidding i remember i brought betsy home and i went inside to make sure she was okay and comfortable on the couch but after that she's like no no wait i actually brought her back to her bedroom 
to make sure she got into bed okay. But either way, she says she left a little bit after seven. So Betsy's daughter has a like scheduled phone call with her and it was she calls at around 7.20 and Betsy does not pick up. So this means either Betsy's already dead at 7.20 or the killer was in the house and preventing her from answering because she knew the call was coming, she was ready to answer, she didn't call back. So like, it's pure speculation, but just yeah. for timeline's sake. That means if her husband got home at 9. 9.40. So she was basically bleeding out for about two hours. Yeah, or dead. She got stabbed a lot right. in the neck. Yeah, so she's for sure dead at, at this point. Yeah, so the police think she died around 7. Got it. 7.20. Oh, okay, got it. I thought that's when the, Sorry. the attack Sorry, well, I didn't mention that before. Yeah, I because <laughs> I, I, he came home and found her bleeding with a neck knife, knife in wrist. her neck, and yeah. I was like, I, I guess you could survive that. No, she was dead. Then I heard the 50 stabs, and I was like, oh. So, okay, at 7.27, Pam calls Betsy, and she had originally told the police that she called Betsy when she got home. But the police are like, that's weird. That isn't, like, a long enough time for you to drive home. And then also they checked her phone, and it pinged only a few blocks from Betsy's house. And she's like, what did she say? She's like, oh, I got lost, and I called Betsy. I pulled over and called Betsy so she wouldn't worry. And (laughs) police are like, oh, of course. I mean, you drive her to chemo all the time, but it's okay. Like, we get it. Oh, I was about to totally, as a joke, tell you, and then the cops heard her alibi and were like, see, because your alibi is so flawed, that means you must be telling the truth. (laughs) Yes, you're the last person to see her alive. (laughs) And this totally makes sense. So, they arrest Russ, the husband, the day after the murder because the police thought it was suspicious he had said she tried to commit suicide even though she was stabbed over like she was stabbed 55 times and they thought her alibi was his alibi was too good and they they was just like it's wild like they just didn't trust him and they just like targeted him they even did a thing to see how long it would have taken him to drive from his friend's house to his house because he left his friends around it was a little before nine but like even then it didn't make sense it's just it was wild they just like just went after him which is usually like yeah go for the spouse but right yeah at this point they're trying to find facts that fit that narrative rather yeah. than looking at the facts for a conclusion yeah so stupidly russ was like you know what i'll do a polygraph test it's all cool mm. No. (laughs) Not cool. (laughs) I know. And he fails the polygraph test. Yeah. Because polygraph tests are, like, notoriously unreliable. They aren't even admissible in court. It's, if you're asked to do one, I don't care if you've done the crime or not, say no, even if it makes you look bad. Actually, so I was once told this in a criminology class um, by a former police captain. Uh Uh-huh. He said, if you are guilty take the polygraph because you might pass it (laughs) if you are innocent do not take the polygraph because you might fail it (laughs) well there you have it (laughs) so 
Pam, the helpful friend, comes forward and she's like, guys, I gotta talk to you about this guy, Russ, because he's very violent, he has a temper, and Betsy was thinking of leaving him, and Betsy wanted to move, at the time Betsy had wanted to move with Russ back to her mom's house so she could be closer to her family and friends while going through chemo and everything, and Betsy, Pam says that Betsy had told her she was, Betsy was going to tell Russ that evening and she was really worried about how Russ would react because she didn't think he would want to move and like stay with her family and Pam comes off as super cooperative and helpful and giving like a gold mine of information to the police and when police question Pam's husband, his name's Mark, Pam is allowed to stay in the room with him and she ends up answering most of the questions for him and he's just like yeah sure whatever and Pam discusses how while she was with Betsy last week Betsy had mentioned how she wrote an email about being scared of Russ and like that at one time he had placed a pillow over her face and told her this is what it would be like to die. Yeah, which is weird stuff, which was never validated, by the way, that that happened. And the email, uh, but the email had never been sent. Pam's like, yeah, I never received it, but like, maybe you should search Betsy's laptop for this document. And it's just like wild. And police are like, oh, we, you're so helpful. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. So then Russ's lawyer, Joel Schwartz, was like, what the hell, guys? Why are you not looking at Pam? She's sketch. And apparently, four days before Betsy's death, Betsy had made Pam the sole beneficiary of Betsy's life insurance policy. Oh. And right now you're thinking like, oh, yeah, the police got her because like that's bad. And she had been fired for forging a signature before. What? No. No. Prosecution. The prosecution in the trial is like, Betsy did this because she did not trust her husband, Russ. And she had switched to life insurance to Pam. And Pam says it was in order to make sure Betsy's kids would receive the money. Because, okay, so Betsy had had these kids with a prior person who was not Russ and then Russ like came into the family when they were really young like one and like he had pretty much adopted them they they were like around 15 at this time so he'd been with them for a long time but Pam uses this to be like they're not really his family and Betsy was really worried that he was going to take the money and all this stuff so yeah the prosecution completely uses this to like paint rust in a bad light it's wild it's crazy like what yeah i, I can't so much blame the prosecution there because your job is to just but like coming convict. up with that is i know it's like some back brilliant <laughs> yeah it's some backwards logic because yeah. but that's them doing their job oh, correctly for sure. for sure i'm just amazed the cops where was this again fuck game i didn't write it down <laughs> I'm always curious when cops drop the ball this hard, like where it is. Missouri. Hmm. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But mm. so after the trial, uh, well, okay. Russ is found guilty. He's sentenced 
life in prison. Wow, garbage. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Let's move on. Okay. So, <laughs> so after that, Pam refuses to give Betsy's kids any money. And they're like, we need this. Like, they're almost college age. Like, come on. And Betsy's kids have not received any money. And Pam's being a real asshole. So they end up doing a civil case against Pam and suing her because they're like, look, you said this money was for us. You're not giving it to us. And in that trial, Pam is like, I lied. The Betsy told me the money is for me and she wanted to give it to me and not you guys. And the judge is like, well, this court or well, this like life insurance policy was signed in Pam's name. So there's nothing you can do. But the good old attorney, Mr. Schwartz, is like, we can use this to reopen the case because it's, like, classified as new evidence. So he gets a retrial. Nice. Mm-hmm. Is that lawyer not from Missouri? It doesn't sound like he's from Missouri. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's the real star, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing the real police work. <laughs> he, I mean, really, though. <laughs> okay. So, at this point, Russ has spent 3.5 years in prison. That's awful. That's how long it took, like, the case, the trial, the whole trial took, like, a couple years, and then there was the trial for the money, and then yeah. everything, all paperwork, freaking, um, okay. It's fine. Okay. So, after 3.5 years in jail, Russ is released on bail during his retrial, so after three and a half years in jail, Russ is released on bail for his new trial. And so when the second trial starts, oddly enough, prosecution's like, we're going to leave Pam out of this. We're not going to bring her back on the stand because hmm. she's kind of a wild card now. But that, that's her star witness. Like so much of, of the case was built on, on, on what she said. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we can't risk it. Like she's gone rogue <laughs> yeah okay cool okay so the defense is like look at all of this proof that just shows pam could have done it she was the last person to see her alive she insisted on picking her up like all this stuff and the judge ultimately decides russ is not guilty and he gets out after three and a half years mm-hmm and a few months later, they go a few months go by, and then nine one one dispatchers get a frantic call from none other than Pam Hup. What? what? <laughs> I know. So you can listen to the call if you want. I listen to it. It's she's like, oh my god, help me! There's an intruder, and you can hear like a guy in the background. You can't really hear what he's saying, and then she's like no I'm not gonna get in the car with you and then there's like gunshots and she's like there was an intruder in my house and um Pam so police come they interview her Pam says she shot an intruder and that she had never met this man before and she says that she had pulled up to her house into the driveway and then this guy like jumps into her car with a knife and holds the knife to her throat and is like drive take 
take us like to the bank to get Russ's money. And she's like, no, no. And he's like, do it, do it or I'll kill you. And she manages to knock the knife away from him, get out of her car, run inside, call 911. But then when she's doing that, he had followed her into the house and that's where the 911 call picks up. And on the body, police find $900 in cash and a note that detailed out steps like one, go to Pam's house, two, get money, three, meet Russ. (laughs) 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 So, what what do you think of that game? So, she killed this guy, shot him five times. So, she found some poor sap to be like, hey, help me out with this scam. It'll be totally cool. And then he didn't know Pam's end, end game hero was him getting shot and killed. Uh, wow, it sucks to be that so guy. So that's your hypothesis? Yeah, because okay, it's not her husband, right? It's like a total rando. Super random guy. They don't know who he is. Yeah, I suspect she hired someone like, hey, I'll give you a cut of this huge profit if you help me fake breaking and entering. And then it'll all be good. Okay. And yeah, and she killed him. She totally flipped it on him. That's my hypothesis. So, all right. So, the man ends up being named as Louis Gumpenberger. And he was in his 30s. He has two kids. And Louis's family tell the police that he had been in a car accident two years prior. He was partially paralyzed. He had a traumatic brain injury. And he would not have been able to pull the trigger. Hmm. Oh, but she pulled the trigger, so that doesn't matter too much. Okay, but he wouldn't have been able to hold a knife and threaten her. He wouldn't have been able to get out of a car very quickly. He could barely feed himself. So what she's alleging he had done was impossible. So the police get, then they get a tip from another like police department in a different city and they're like this is weird but like you should look into this and so the police department goes and meets with this woman named carol who had filed a police report so this is a bit random here but just bear with me so carol says that she was walking one day in the neighborhood like her neighborhood and a woman pulls up in like a big suv and she's all Hey, I'm a producer for Dateline, and you're, like, the perfect candidate for this reenactment. Like, would you be interested? We've just paid cash. It's really quick. And Carol was like, oh, of course. That sounds fun. And so the producer is like, okay, awesome. If you have time now, we can just, like, go and do it. And Carol's like, okay, that's normal. So she gets in the car and then she just starts like getting these weird vibes like you know that gut feeling of like oh shit i did something wrong i need to get out of the situation so she's like wait i left my door unlocked like i have to go lock it and so the producer lady is like oh okay of course and so carol's like make sure like you pull into my driveway and what she's doing is making sure that the her like cameras can catch the car and the woman inside in the license plate. Nice. Carol then files a police report with that other police department and gives them the footage. And 
They run the license plate and it's owned by a company that is owned by Pam Hupp. What? Uh-huh. Wait, but did Carol end up going with- No. Okay. Oh yeah, no. She was like sketched out and she was like, okay. Oh, so then when the producer who's actually Pam Hupp notices the cameras, she just bails. She's nice. like, oh, snaps and she leaves. Okay. So, <laughs> so. So when the police run it and they like get Pam Hupp's name and like they see like she's a person of interest in another case, they're like, oh, this is weird. We should just pass this on. And they pass it on to the other police who like then see the video footage and like, this is actually Pam Hupp in the car. We bet this is how she got Louis Gumpenberger into the car is by offering him money. Yeah. And police arrest Pam and she goes willingly and while she is in custody in the room where they do questions what's it called question interrogation room? room? yeah that one yeah <laughs> so while she's in there she takes a pen and hides it in her sleeve and then she's like hey i have to use the restroom and they let her go into the restroom and she stabs herself in the neck twice and then tries to slit her wrist with a pen i gotta admire her commitment what that's very difficult it's insane i know that's very did, did she pull it off no oh i'd be pr- kind of impressed if she did i mean <laughs> a pen that would be pretty impressive with a pen yeah that's insane. but like who thinks like i don't know that's a... i'm surprised she couldn't do it in the neck she said she, you said she stabbed herself twice she must have missed any artery both times I don't know, but it's disgusting. So she goes to the hospital and she's fine. And <laughs> <laughs> how deep of a stab was it in the neck? Watch it be like just no, it's like super gross. A quarter of an inch, no. just like that. <laughs> so gross. Or she just like she just gets like the ballpoint part in. <laughs> like I, I don't think I could even like kill somebody with a pen. Oh, you much less could. myself. No, you probably could, in the right area. Well, remember how Betsy was stabbed in the neck too? Yeah, exactly weird oh but did she she leave the pen sticking out of her own neck i don't think so i think she stabbed her neck first and when she's like fuck i'm still alive she tried to go through her wrist i don't i don't like i guess if you're really motivated you could really like open up your wrist but like not enough to do it would just take a lot of force and some time yeah yeah anyways um okay (laughs) sorry okay that's grossing me out gabe (laughs) um so she's okay. She's in the hospital. She gets out and they're like, okay, we're going to go um, through trial and everything. She's like, I do not want to go through trial. So what she agrees to is called a Alford plea. So it's where you pretty much say, I understand that the prosecution has enough evidence to convict me, but I'm not admitting guilt. Okay. And in this plea, she admitted or agreed to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Then what does it matter if she pleads guilty or not if she's getting life in prison? She just didn't want to admit she did it. All right. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She stabbed herself with a pen. Like, come on. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but she was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole for the murder of Louis Gumpenberger. She was not charged with the murder of Betsy. Right. Ever. Hmm. So that case is still considered open. In 2020, 
Louis Gumpenberger's family filed a lawsuit to prevent Pam from making any money off of Louis's death because, like, Netflix had started making a documentary and so did Dateline. Her case went wild and they won, so she can't make any money off of that stuff. And then Pam actually tried to appeal for the murder charge in early 2020, but she was denied because I guess she missed, like, a time deadline she was supposed to make. And she tried to be like, it was because of COVID. And they're like, no. Wait, early 2020? Yeah. How early? Because COVID... I think it was March. Okay, that's like right around when COVID really started shutting things down. Yeah. So, um, that's it. Now she's still in prison, living her life. She's not aging well at all. She looks pretty awful. I'd say she's one of the only people we've ever done that I was like, no, she's not attractive. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about uh, the the granny killer? No, the, gra- the killer who was a granny. You know, the Russian woman. She would sit in her window without a shirt. She she had it going on. No, she, yeah, she didn't, yeah. She looked like a killer. That's true. And she had that, like, red hair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Second one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's the story of the woman who murdered somebody for money who was going to die anyways, and then she, like, freaked out and tried to frame somebody. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm really curious, like, what her plan was with Carol. Like, what? Um, well, yeah, what could have possibly been her plan? Because at least with Lewis, she was trying to use... I mean, I love the note of, like, step one, go and try and mug Pam. Yeah. Step two, get money. <laughs> step three, three, profit. Meet Russ. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm not sure what... What? what yeah. I don't know. Now we'll never know. Wow. Way to ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) But we can speculate all we want. It's true. Okay, so I guess if you want to kill people, go live in Missouri. Because the cops will just be like, we don't know. I just can't believe they they had Russ's alibi. A solid airtight alibi. They literally had him on camera wearing the same clothes he was wearing when they came. And they were like, "Mm." (laughs) mmm... This is too perfect. Yeah. It's it's awful too because I could imagine these cops having having conversations like, no, like I I am a seasoned officer and I know in my gut this guy did it. Yeah. There was some research I read, you know, way back in the day showing that cops the longer they spend in the force, the less they're able to tell when someone is lying. Because when you're constantly surrounded by criminals, yeah. you come to assume everyone is lying and everyone's a criminal. Wow, that's crazy. I'm already really bad at it, so I should be a cop. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, most people are pretty bad. As it turns out, even like all the... So one thing I wanted to say about... Was it Pam? Yeah, Pam's story. Uh-huh. The way she changed it and the way and the reason the cops believed her. Um, there is some research we'll call it showing that people who are telling the truth tend to correct themselves but you know mid story mm-hmm. so, so someone who's t- telling the truth could say something like yeah i arrived at like six o'clock well okay more like six six fifteen and they continue on mm-hmm. whereas someone who's lying because they've just memorized a series of rote facts just keep it yeah they would just say i did this i did this at this time this time 
I if, think with Pam, it was probably like like her reason for changing it is she was like, oh wait, what if they find something in the house? Right. And she was like, better better make it seem like I was there. But yeah, I was I was wondering if maybe the cops applied that kind of thinking badly and were like, well, look, the fact that she's changing her story suddenly means she must be telling the truth because I read this on the internet or I read this in a book yeah. or my keen, uh, my keen police instincts told me that she's just telling the truth. I, yeah, part of it that she's overlooked too is probably because she's a woman. Yeah, it, it is. We have, we have seen now uh, uh, some of that in our stories of that bias against women being mm -hmm. able to commit murders mm -hmm. or, or any kind of real violent crime. Yeah. Which, uh, wow. Talk about sexist. Yeah. I mean, come on, we can kill too. Yeah. <laughs> and turn people into soap and feed people to kids. Yeah. Gosh, we've covered some gross stories. Yeah. But it, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. But like, if you're going to try to frame Russ, you could do a better job. Right? And that, that, that was all real weak it, it sounds like she never actually knew what russ was doing like the, the night russ went to his his scheduled game night with his friends i mean that would have given russ several people to corroborate his story for, there for just four friends not counting right. like their like fam wives or whatever exactly so i mean like she could have surely found a better time when Russ would have been less covered. Yeah, I mean... But it's like she put no thought into this beyond I should get money. And it would have worked if she had, like, given the kids some money or... That's true. Mm -hmm. You're right. If she just paid off the kids, the whole thing would have gone away. Mm -hmm. But she couldn't stop being selfish for a minute. Yeah. And she, how old is she now while in prison? She's 10 years ten years younger than Betsy, right? Yeah, I... Hold on. She's... 62. Yeah. I wonder what her kids think. Yeah, really. She has two kids. How old were they when she went to prison? I don't know. There's not... I think they were under 18. So they didn't really release information about them. Yeah. Could you imagine? Your mom goes to prison for killing people. For killing a woman with terminal cancer and then killing somebody else to try to frame the husband. Wait, you're right. Betsy could have... If she just... had just waited three years, Betsy would have died anyways. Yeah. Like, yeah, Betsy was going to die. Why didn't, why didn't Pam just forge the will change and then let nature run its course? I don't know because she didn't want to wait like it doesn't sound like she didn't have a job she was on disability but it doesn't sound like they were in a lot of debt or like yeah financial trouble I don't know she probably thought she could get away with it but like Russ would have of course tried to contest it but she could have given the same story of like oh Betsy was going to leave Russ and Russ was a terrible stepfather because it's not like Russ being sent to prison keep, kept them quiet. I mean, Russ can still make claims. This, wow. Just poor You know what she planning. should have done? Hmm. Killed Betsy, waited for Russ to come home, 
make it look like he committed suicide. That'd be hard to pull off, though, because she killed Betsy with a knife. So she didn't have a gun, but she mm-hmm. had a gun. That's oh, but true. it was probably in her name. Yep. And she would have had to have made sure that the shot that killed Russ could have been, been self-inflicted. I mean, with those cops, do you really need to? That's true. <laughs> we have bashed police so much. That's true. Okay, but come on. Like the story of the guy who like shot himself twice in the back of the head and the cops ruled it a suicide. Yeah. You know, like mm. it's not like cops haven't done stuff like this before. <laughs> they could have totally arrived seen Russ with like two shots in the chest, <laughs> one in the eye and just been like the sick bastard. He just... He was so dedicated to killing himself. He just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's dark. Yeah. Well, she's in prison, and it doesn't sound like she's ever going to get out. No, although... You never know. Exactly. <laughs> We're not Canada, at least. Yeah, that's true. We're... I mean... Yeah. Yeah, Canada would be like, ah, oh, she learned her lesson. She's free to go. <laughs> go live your life and have more kids or whatever. Okay, but like, there there is people who can be reformed. Could she, though? No. I, I, I almost wonder if you asked her kids if they'd just be like, oh, yeah, she was like always a huge narcissist, a terrible, terrible mother. She, I can't remember who it was, but somebody described her as a narcissist. I mean, yeah, not too surprising. It was like one of Betsy's friends. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I suspect she, I don't know, once you're that, once you're past a certain age, I don't know if you can, and you have that kind of condition, like you're just a full-on narcissist and or have homicidal tendencies. Mm -hmm. Can you really be reformed with our current understanding of psychology or our, our current treatment methods? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, I think not ju- just, you know, not yet. We're not quite there. And like chemo makes you really frail. Yeah. And so to kill somebody like that, like, oh, like, uh, she, they're apparently doing construction. <laughs> I don't know. So she, <laughs> yeah. Well, she stabbed her 50 times. That's a lot. That must have taken a solid almost a minute like at least at least 45 seconds yeah i wonder why so many stabs that usually that gets associated with like a crime of passion yeah but i don't think pam had anything against betsy Betsy. per se maybe she's just thinking about the money she's like yes money 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 (laughs) if i hit her enough money will just come out like a pinata (laughs) oh that's too dark at least she didn't stab her while yelling, eliminate. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's so awful. And I chose a downer. But not the most down episode, for That's sure. That's true. Like, I, I, I'm glad Russ didn't get life in prison. He did, but he got out. Right. I mean, yeah, I, sh- I should say I'm glad he got out. I mean, three and a half years is terrible, but that could have been a lot worse. That's true. It's better than Lori Bambanek, who... Yeah. Uh, got out of prison and then died after her paintings burned. Yeah. That woman had no luck. Yeah. She, I don't know what, yeah. She had the worst luck I think I've ever read about. Yeah, that was, that was a downer for sure. Although there was also that old guy who uh, 
Hiroshima was bombed first in Japan, I believe. And he, this was a Japanese man who was in Hiroshima when it was nuked. Yeah. And then he fled to Nagasaki. And then that got nuked. Did he survive? <laughs> yeah. But that guy might have, you know, equivalent bad luck. I don't know. He survived. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you can... Like, you, you can survive within that, you know, within a certain radius of a nuke. But the radiation... Like, you know, you, you will suffer consequences. Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. It's hard to find the case. This was something I read way back in the 4chan days. Mm-hmm. And they had photos and everything. It was a man. I cannot remember which country he was in. But I guess he was scavenging in a medical, like, junkyard. Mm-hmm. And he came across a, like that an MRI. not a junkyard I'd want to scavenge. Yeah. He came across... A, an MRI machine Uh-oh. and he took what was this like Uh-oh. piece of metal Uh-oh. from within the MRI machine uh-huh. and he put it in his pocket and he took it with him Oh no! and he ended up being tracked down by a team in full hazmat gear with Geiger counters was it- to like a neighborhood uh-huh. and they found him and they were like you have something extremely radioactive with you. You took this from a medical junkyard. And he gives it back, and they take him, and they're like, oh, fuck. Because his wife touched it very briefly, and she had already already developed uh, what looked like burn marks on her hand. Yeah. And he'd kept it in his pocket for the whole walk home. Ooh. And he had already, already developed what looked to be a large burn mark in his thigh. And on this 4chan post, they put together the photos of this man. Yeah. But you see him over time... His as so what radiation radiation damage does sort of in a nutshell is it messes up your body's ability to recreate cells. So there's that whole saying that every seven years we're, we're basically brand new people because all of our cells have been replaced by new cells. So this guy's body is unable to make new cells in you know whatever vicinity that has come in contact with radi- uh, this kind of radioactive material. Does it just like decay? So his leg just begins to d- decay very rapidly because he kept this piece of high- highly radioactive material mm-hmm. so close to his body. And you, and I saw the photos of he loses uh, essentially both legs oh. by the end of it. And he they managed to keep him alive. I think he ended up living for a while slash might even still be alive. But he lost like both legs for just you know he just took this piece of metal that was he was like oh cool put it in his pocket and and that was it oh my the things that we learn so the house i bought yeah it had asbestos everywhere and we had to have it all it was very expensive to have it removed but like back in the 60s and 70s they were like oh yeah let's put this stuff in everything like air ducts (laughs) You know what, what concerned me? Because you had the popcorn ceiling. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I would peel that. No. Yeah. <gasps> Game. Yeah. yeah. What? I didn't know it was asbestos. What? When? Mm, there's a possibility it wasn't. Mm, this was in the late 90s. But like when had the house been built? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Was it before the 80s? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I could probably find out right now. I'm sure that, that house is on Zillow, I'm sure. Yeah, you can Google it. If it was built before the, like, before 75, 
it was probably asbestos. <laughs> That's not good. Let's see. Yeah. Here. It's cool. I feel like you, you, you're fine. 1962. Yeah, it's probably asbestos, <laughs> but you're fine. That's not good. Nah. Eh, you seem good. You run. <laughs> Your lungs are solid. <laughs> oh, boy. I feel like I feel like they should really have like educated people a little more about that. Well, don't you see those commercials all the time? They're like, if you have mesothelioma. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's from asbestos. Huh. Gabe's freaking out now. I'm like, this explains my cardio so much. I've like oh, never had great cardio. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, your brother who didn't pee yeah. asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was in the top bunk and it was up oh on, my gosh. so I just like picked at it. Didn't your parents get mad? No. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, Gabe, you're ruining the ceiling. Why would they put asbestos in? Uh, so all why wait? Look, I thought I thought that was just like paint that drooped as it dried. No, it's like asbestos sprayed up into that texture because it was such a good insulation. What? Yeah. I thought insulation was put behind the painting, like behind the wood panels. It is now. I mean, it was back then too, but it was like an extra layer. And it also was soundproofing as well. It made oh, the acoustics geez. in a house way better. Like well, if, if we put that in our freaking room. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've had uh, a one blood test per year for the past two years done, and they've all come out really Why? good. Why? Uh, what did I get? Oh, because it'd been years since I had a checkup. So I had one done last year. Uh-huh. Just, just be, to be like, I haven't had blood work done in like a long time. Yeah. And they were like, it's great. Like, you're totally fine. And then I had it done this year because I thought I might be uh, gluten intolerant. Uh-huh. And it turns out I, I don't have celiac. Okay. But they can't really speak as to how well you handle gluten mm -hmm. which i i hate even talking about because for the longest time i was like oh, yeah. this is Gabe silly like the gluten free is the stupidest thing ever yeah <laughs> and then i started getting rashes yeah <laughs> and then i cut out bread and i like felt better have you still cut it out yeah i still don't eat it as much wow like i used to make sandwiches for lunch yeah and uh now i just don't and uh, i think it does help huh. which is you know a shame yeah bread's amazing it is so good bagels i had a bagel for breakfast look at you i know when i did my blood work <laughs> when i did my blood work they're like you're low in everything really yeah. oh no yeah they're like you need more vitamin d b12 iron did you take a multivitamin i did back then <laughs> it's probably worse now but you did back then and you were still low uh-huh oh damn you might need to double up yeah, I know. Um, and then whenever... I haven't given blood in a while now, but whenever I give blood, they always check your iron levels and they're always like, you're like, we shouldn't be uh, letting you. Yeah. Good times. Oh, Danny. Yeah. Don't you intend to live a long time with many dogs? Mm, I don't know. The environment's kind of going to shit. That's true. Yeah. But it's okay because it'll just make your property beach. beach yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, there are, there are worse things that, that can happen. That's true. Yeah. Well, alrighty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that at? note, <laughs> <laughs> we're at an hour and four minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. But a lot of it, you know, was like pauses and things because of all the... Construction. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We'll easily get this down to under an hour. Well, that's our season finale. Yeah. A woman who commits a murder of a 
friend that she goes to help in a time of need and tries to frame somebody else poorly and then tries to possibly kill somebody else we'll never know yep carol um, so don't trust anyone especially somebody that comes to you when you haven't talked to them to year for years and they're like i heard you have cancer oh for sure yeah they're either killing you or they're trying to sell you some sort of tea weight loss diet yeah or they're just filled with guilt yeah but regardless you don't need that in your life no keep it positive like yeah. we do yeah so that's murder <laughs> thanks for listening stay tuned for updates on season two yeah and look on instagram for a picture of walter oh yeah he's very cute yeah yeah cool <laughs> thank you all